Welcome to Advance Your Art. If you are interested in making money from your art, using your artistic background to your advantage when switching careers, or if you are just plain stuck, you've come to the right place. Now let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yorika Talbo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Advance Your Art with Yuri Cataldo. If you're interested in learning how to build a company, make money from your art, or if you're just feeling stuck, you've come to the right place. Every week, I sit down with a creative entrepreneur to discuss the who, what, where, and why of their journey. If you like this episode, please remember to subscribe, like, and share it with a friend. Today, I'm sitting down with Julie Willis, CEO of Defiant Communications and author of the new book, Conceal, reveal. Julie, hello. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hello. I am doing well. How are you? Excellent. I am doing just just peachy these days. Stuck at home, not going anywhere, ready for the springtime and warmer weather to come in. Cabin fever up the wazoo. But other than that, <laughs> doing just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how are things in your, your neck of the woods? Well, I did have a bit of cabin fever. I'm down in Texas. And uh, as of this recording, we had the snowstorm recently. Yeah. So yeah, was, that was fun. What was that like from, so I know we're, we'll get in your background a little bit, but are you, so are you from before Texas, prior to Texas, from a, a state where cold exists? And how did you fare in the land of Texas where cold does not exist? <laughs> Oh, two-part answer. Yeah. So I'm originally from Washington State. Okay. Where they have real winter. Well, they have cold. Okay. Um, All right. So, yeah. you, so you're familiar with cold. Okay. And yeah. Snow. They do. They do the white stuff. Yeah. Yep. And then I spent about eight years in Hawaii. So for a while there, no winter. And yeah. then, yeah, after some traveling, I landed in Minnesota. So that's how I have survival gear. Yeah. And thankfully... Like, then I went to DC and finally I ended up here in Texas. And thankfully I managed to bring my, you know, full Columbia suit from top to bottom with me. I mean, like literally the, the hat, the gloves, the, the two layered jacket, I was wearing snow pants mm. in my, in my bed under my blankets because I live in a 1930s cottage, mm. which 1930s in Texas, not so much with the heat. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. We were a bit drafty, but I, um, I can imagine. Cute. So, yeah. Did they? So, how? Like, did things fare? Oh, well. Obviously, you're you're fine now. Mm. But like, did like you lose electricity? All that, all the lot, or how do things in where your area of Texas? I was waiting for a gas turn on appointment because I just moved back to Texas. So, oh, I didn't have gas. <laughs> so that was fun. Um. But no, I was okay. I I had some bottled water because again, 1930s cottage. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I did okay. My neighbors are amazing, um, great spirit. Like we've got a four-year-old behind us, and you know she was having a hoot outside, and oh, that was good. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think the only the only real inconvenience was that CVS was closed, and you you forget how much you really need a CVS when you need a CVS. Oh yeah. Yeah. Other than that, survived okay. Good, good, good. I, I live very near a CVS and (laughs) 
didn't really think about it until this pandemic. I'm like, oh yeah, I can just go to CVS and just walk there. And it's like, they've got almost everything you need almost. Yeah. 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 If you're willing to accept whatever it is they stock the shelves with, you're good to go. Yes, exactly. And <laughs> yeah. there's always, what I love is there's always candy on sale, no matter what, say, no matter how old seasonal. it is, there's seasonal candy on oh. sale. So I, I've been t- partaking in a lot of seasonal candy the day after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. That only makes sense. <laughs> so, okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll move on from there. Um, for my listeners who are less familiar with your work, how do you describe yourself and what you do? Mm. I am a defense entrepreneur and with a communications background. So if we rewind all the way, I have a father who got his PhD after serving in Vietnam. So Mm -hmm. thankful to the GI Bill for that. And I married a brand new second lieutenant when I was 20 years old. So pretty good idea at the time, Mm -hmm. Um, post 9-11. And we moved to Hawaii, which was fabulous. Um, I stayed in Hawaii longer than I stayed married, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but it's the island. What do you expect? Yeah. And, but I was bit with the national security and national defense bug very early on. Um, but I never really found my place until I took a contract in DC that moved me to Austin. And that was as a strategic communications consultant for Army Futures Command, which mm. was brand new mm-hmm. when we came down here. And now they're the 600 pound gorilla in downtown Austin, which I'm sure Google and Oracle and Apple, everybody thinks they are, but uh, they got the budget, right? Like (laughs) their purse strings go all the way back. Yeah, they do. So yeah. So that's how I got here. And that's what I do. I started Defiant Communications Mm -hmm. um, because I was in a bit of a defiant mood. I was done playing bureaucracy and I realized I could be more effective for the warfighter if I got out and helped those companies that were trying to supply them with the latest and greatest technology. So yeah, that's what I do now. Excellent. So I I know you mentioned before in your early days, you studied communications. (laughs) When you were going to school for communications, did you have a career? Uh, career trajectory in mind or were you thinking you know because of your 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 background and your and your father and your now ex-husband that defense or military was where you would take your education no so I started with an undergrad in criminal justice I thought I was going to be a lawyer and then I took the LSAT and I was like nope <laughs> so <laughs> changed directions there um, and just found myself in marketing and communication roles until eventually I was in DC. And mm-hmm. that's when I realized, oh, this is a this is a real thing and I can do it. And I was working on a contract at the State Department at the time. And my boss was phenomenal. And she, <clears throat> excuse me, literally pushed me out the door. Um, she was, she's like, you're, you don't belong in this role, figure out what's next and I'll help you get there. Mm-hmm. And she did. And that involved going back to school. So I went to Georgetown and did my executive master's there. And I'd always wanted to be in that international space because national defense, national, you know, it it involves others. Yeah. And um, 
and I'm also from a blue state where, you know, idealism and um, that happy let's work together vibe permeates and through the trees of Washington state. And uh, yeah, so that's how I came about communications. And I was okay. just, I was so lucky, actually, my stepdad uh, is now a retired Methodist minister. And I watched him prep his sermons, you know, throughout the week, and he would record them, and then he would listen to them, and he would study his performance. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea how relevant that was until I'm the one prepping a general or, you know, a command sergeant major to take a stage and do a speech. And I see that parallel. And I'm mm. like, wow, I don't know if I could have just popped in and been like, all right, here you go. Here's your stuff. You're fine. Button up. If I hadn't had that upbringing too. So yeah, it's just random, but yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that is awesome. And how, yeah. And how those kind of, those are all come together. I'm, I'm also curious because along this way, you took some time to travel around South Africa and Europe as a photographer mm -hmm. and a writer. How did that, like, was that a gap year? What was, tell me about that. Well, I was 30, so I don't know if it totally counts. It, it was definitely a gap. It's a gap. <laughs> it was a gap. Yeah, you know, I had left Hawaii and I packed everything up. I sent it to my mother. I, I even dropped off the cat on the way, mm -hmm. rented out my condo and took a flight to South Africa as one does, because when you leave Hawaii, where do you go? Um, Makes so sense. I, I went, yeah, exactly. So yeah. I had a connection there for what I thought was an orphanage. Okay. It ended up being um, more of a kindergarten. And I, I was looking for my mother Teresa moment. And, you know, it was post-divorce and I was like, I'm going to go save the world. And so I went to South Africa thinking that was what I was going to do. And I got there and the first thing the guy said was, we haven't had water in three days. I'm like, great, here we go. Six weeks, huh? And um, <laughs> I learned a lot. And I, I learned a lot actually about physical security and about my boundaries in that, which I'm sure will come up in this conversation later. But he had um, one of those metal doors in his house that separated the living quarters from, you know, like the living room. And because of where I was staying, I was on the outside. And you realize real quickly how vulnerable you are in a foreign country when you're staying somewhere where the people are purposely putting themselves behind a metal barrier to sleep and you're not dun 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 yeah um yeah so that was very eye-opening and uh I met a couple while I was there who said you know if this is all you see of South Africa mm -hmm. you're gonna hate it and I was like yes I am on track for that <laughs> and they were like you should go to the Winelands we will help you and so they helped me figure out how to get there. And that's when everything changed. I was on a boat to Robben Island and I was talking to a girl from Germany mm -hmm. who was on her gap year. And there I was 30 years old thinking how I had to rush back to the States and contribute to a 401k or the world would fall apart. And I meet this girl who's just hanging out. And I was like, 
what am I doing? And that's when I realized I was getting off the plane in Germany, not going back right away. I don't know what I'm doing. And that's when the adventure started. And so now every time I go anywhere, Mm -hmm. there's just this possibility that who knows when I'm really coming back. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I spent five months of the pandemic in Mexico. Really? Just highly, highly recommend. Yeah. <laughs> Five stars. <laughs> yeah. I've heard good things about Mexico in that sense. Yeah. Warm uh-huh, weather, yeah. all the all the all the good things. Mm-hmm, fantastic. Yeah. Good. What what um so, so you spent five months there? What <laughs> what why did you decide to come back? Oh, I like that question better than why did I decide to go? Um <laughs> I came back because my main client wanted to hire me full time. And I realized I couldn't do the job from there. And I'm glad I came back for that reason because mm-hmm. I believe so fully in what he's doing. But um, I didn't see myself ever coming back to Austin, Texas, for sure. I mean, I, I was at the burn it down stage. You know, I was in that funk of the pandemic when you're like, why am I spending $2,000 a month to live in a tiny apartment and stare at another apartment building Mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm going to go. And so I did. And then I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm really going to need you back. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> and for, at first it was like, okay, one week a month, I'm staying in Mexico. And it was like, okay. And then I missed like one business development call. And I'm like, I can't do this. I got to mm-hmm. go. Oh, it's too bad. So, that's, I know. I agree. Yeah. All right. Well- <laughs> You're in Texas and that's, that's good. Um, so yes. I'm, so before we get to your current company, I'm, I'm curious then. So after you came back um, from your journey, there is on your, again, I'm looking at your LinkedIn. There's a number yeah. of the de- state department, department of defense, diplomacy. Mm-hmm. What was it like getting involved early on of working with the government in these, in, in these various departments and, and what it is about working for the government that, you know, keeps you interested and motivated in that? Good question. It ebbs and flows for sure. Um, because it is a love hate mm-hmm. that the bureaucracy just, it gets me a little bit too fast, but it's, it's about the warfighter for me. Um, I don't know if I should point the finger at my dad or maybe my ex-husband, you know, those early impressionable moments. Mm -hmm. But there's something about the people who do the job I was unwilling to do and supporting them to the best that I can that keeps me in this game. Um, I really struggled when I got to DC. I got to DC making zero. I was working for a nonprofit Mm. and um, happy to, you know, find something. Mm-hmm. but it, it wasn't pretty there for a while. And uh, blood was definitely involved in that climb, <laughs> but it's, you know, the view's much better. Um, and I'm glad that I did it, mm-hmm. but uh, DC is a rough place. That is a tough town. Yeah. Very tough town. So I'm, okay. Austin's but- better. <laughs> Gotta give it that. <laughs> That's that's true. That's what that's what I what I hear. Uh, I've only been there for a couple of different conferences and a, and a wedding. How did your? Let's see. Here, I'm trying to look at the dates of your. Did your time in government span multiple? Um, let's say presidential, like mm-hmm. 
administrations. Administrations. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. It's one of those days. I'm like, I know what they're called. But yes. <laughs> yeah. And so how and how how did that like regardless of who was whoever was in charge, like, but how did that transition from one administration to the other and like affect your work? Minimally. Okay. Honestly. Um, yeah. You know, the the bureaucracy is such a beast that it it will stay with or without <laughs> leadership. Yeah. And uh yeah, I mean, you do get different, different folks at the top, you know, mm -hmm. different political appointees and, you know, those, those are wiped away real quick. And then you just get some random new person starting Monday and they're in charge. And you're like, hello, it's interesting. But uh, yeah, I know I was at state when um, President Trump came in Okay. and, you know, being the, the more liberal of the agencies mm -hmm. people took that very very hard and um knowing that the work that they'd been doing would likely be altered and the trajectory that they had been on would change i mean that's rough yeah you know to to work for something to work for relationships with countries and you know diplomats i mean i was just a contractor but you know they're the ones building those relationships with people. Mm -hmm. And that's, that was hard. It was hard for them to, to know what would happen because many of them had been in for decades. And so they'd seen this before. Yeah. 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 So at, at what point in then in your career, did you start focusing more on the, let's say the tech side of what was happening in, in the military? When I came to Austin. Okay. Yeah. When I came to Austin, um, the ecosystem here, you know, the army chose it for a reason. Mm -hmm. It's, it's booming and it's not just the big companies. It's, it's the little companies. It's those, you know, not the cutting edge, but the bleeding edge. And it's, it's scary to be on that bleeding edge for them. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're hanging on dollar to dollar to try to get that next that first contract let alone that next contract and uh it took until i think about april of last year for me to figure out one of the <laughs> one of the frustrating pieces which was um this corruption in the in that system for research and development that a lot of those companies depend on and learning that if you have the money, you can buy the pieces that make your proposal the attractive proposal. Um, kind of like Paola, yeah, the, uh, yeah, <laughs> the radio promotion scandal. Um, same idea. You know, you you basically get promoters, mm -hmm. and when you have people on the inside that write paper that says, "Oh boy, if if we had what Yuri made, we would buy it." Mm -hmm. and you get a couple of those, well, the person reviewing it's going to go, I guess we need what Yuri's making. Gotcha. Dun, dun, dun. And yeah. then for, yeah, 10 to 50% of that award, mm -hmm. they're getting that contract. And so it's pretty impressive. I mean, that's a, that is a ton of money, 10 to 50% of that introductory door opening mm -hmm. um, research and development it's yeah. crazy yeah 
Yeah. So I, my, I know it's a large amount of money. My only knowledge of, let's say this comes from TV and movies, which I don't think are probably that accurate, but um, it just kind of reminds me of, oh, there was like this, this not a good movie, Jonah Hill, War Dogs maybe, where he was like, a, yes. suddenly was selling like an arms dealer. And he was like, I'm bidding on these government contracts. And he runs through them. And he's like, we only go for these small ones because people don't care about it. Is so as clunky as that sounds, is that kind of like this similar to yes. the system you're okay? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. And you know, this is not the first time War Dogs has come up this week. <laughs> it's a Wednesday. I like that uh, already. <laughs> it makes an appearance every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it it's true. And I can only imagine that had to be the Wild West. I thought what we were in here was the Wild West, but no. Though that was just, just money, yeah. just printing money. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's let's transition a little bit to your company, Defiant Communications. Yes. What made you want to start this company? Hmm. Uh, well, <laughs> the the deep dark stories in the uh, in the book where I'm stuck in my job mm-hmm. because I, I got to a point where there was, there was no more upward trajectory and it was really frustrating to be the person who wanted to do something surrounded by people who wanted to put something on their, um, you know, their annual review. And that, that didn't work very well for me for, for long. So I had to, I had to figure out what was next. And I realized yeah, I would be a lot more effective working for these companies instead of working to attract those companies to the military. Mm-hmm. So I started talking to them and they were desperate, absolutely desperate for someone to help them. And I, to this day, I can tell you, I never figured out the magic way in, mm-hmm. but darned if we didn't try. And if we don't still try, <laughs> yeah, because it matters, you know, like, it's actual lives. Like they are dying. Yeah. And it's, it's incomprehensible to me to not do everything that I can for the people who make it possible for me to sleep in my, <laughs> in my ski pants in a snowstorm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. So, um, so just, to, I guess, can we <clears throat> clarify a little bit more about, let's see what sure. your company does. And so, mm. I can, I can only kind of relate things to what I'm familiar with, but so I like right now where I work, I spend a lot of time with startups and mm-hmm. I scout startups for particular accelerators and, and the large comp- company that I work for. Do you do something similar to that or is yours different? Do you then go and scour and find startups who are just trying to sell or creating a product that that is for the government or could be used for government reasons and go from there or, or what's your your particular setup like? There is a tech scouting as part of it. Um, But because of my exposure here in Austin um, at events, doing strategic communications for the Mm -hmm. army, you know, I already had the network that I needed to, you know, I was a known entity. Okay. Um, But what you bring up there about what, we called it dual use 
Mm -hmm. And you needed that commercial application as well as the defense application because Uncle Sam did was not interested in being your only source of income ah, because okay. Uncle Sam knows Uncle Sam kind of sucks <laughs> at being the only one. They just, they're terrible at the paperwork and it, you know, it's just money changes every time. And it's like, oh, this time we don't really have funds for that. And you could be selected for an award and never funded. That's fun. Yeah. Like, so yeah, Uncle Sam's looking for, for commercial use as well. But okay. then you got to ask yourself, what defense technology is also commercial technology that yeah. we actually want to be both like mm, right. it gets a little weird yeah yeah it really so, does get weird how do you so how do you i guess <laughs> balance that um i mean because i could think of some applications but they don't quite make any sense so yeah how do you <laughs> how do you balance that and are there particular and, and so i i've spoken with a couple of startups who do some defense work and they're like you know we're a tackling dummy for the NFL, but also you can also use it on the battlefield at the same time and have our robot run around in circles and have someone shoot at it kind of stuff. Is that like, how do you work with startups to say you need to do both and this is how you can maneuver both? I, I like your example better than probably <laughs> like mine. Um, first responders come to mind. Usually okay. um, what would assist a warfighter will assist a first responder. There's a lot of movement in vertical takeoff for um, like helicopters, but not mm -hmm. uh, drones, but drone just has such a, you know, it's you either think of like Amazon dropping off something or you think of, you know, dropping a bomb on someone. Right. <laughs> dual use. There yeah. we go. That's our... <laughs> dual use. Yes, 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 yes. Now you can also use yeah. the drones to look at your, uh, your farm, the farmer's field. So there's like triple use there. There you go. There you go. Now we're in supply chain. Yeah. Now we're getting, <laughs> getting deep. Um, yeah. First responders typically uh, okay. like sensors. If you're yeah. going to do, um, if you're going to put a sensor on a car, if you're going to put it on body armor, if you're going to put it on a first responder and it's going to detect sarin gas, all of those could detect sarin gas and all yeah. of them are relevant. Um, but it gets trickier when you start thinking about, well, how does the sensor then go back and who does it go back to and all of those pieces. And then who's watching that data flow. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Yeah. And those radio frequency signatures and trying to keep those hidden. And so there's, it's a deep dark web. It really is a really interesting stuff. And the minds, just the brilliance. Mm -hmm of these entrepreneurs is stunning to mm -hmm. listen to the, the way that their passion has led them to that, you know, to the point that you're actually having a conversation with someone who's got a thing, you know, a widget, unbelievable stories in there of maybe they served or they know someone who did, or they're just called to it. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. Excellent. So I'm, so let's talk about, let's actually, let's transition for a second and talk about mm. your book. So you have a new book coming out, Conceal, Reveal. What? So, sorry, the, and the subtitle is Came The out. Space. 
it came out already. So this yes. conceal reveal the space between entrepreneurs and the defense industry. What made you want to write this book? I did not want to write this book. <laughs> and- <laughs> Who paid you to write this book? <laughs> well, there's a question I never asked. Um, so I remember I was sitting at my aunt's uh, dining room table. I had hair dye on my roots mm-hmm. and a buddy called and was like, Hey, I'm going to write a book. And I was like, yeah, you. And he's like, you should do it too. And I was like, no, I just started a company. I don't have time for this. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, here's what it'll do. Then you can meet with all of these, you know, Pentagon people. You can use it as a way to interview. And I was like, okay, he's on to something. I never mm-hmm. did any of that, but oh. he was definitely on to something. And I thought about it and I was on my way to um, San Diego and Vegas Uh, for different work trips and um, I got you know through the door in one spot and then the next thing I knew I was talking to a guy that was willing to pay me for referring these tech companies over to him Mm -hmm. who as I now realize is one of those people that gets the cut off the top of the research and development dollars didn't know it at the time Uh, and I would have taken the money Mm -hmm. I absolutely would have taken the money Um, except I knew what the other guy was getting paid and what I was offered was just peanuts. And I was so mad. I was like, you know what? He's going in the book. I guess I'm writing a book about this. (laughs) That is how I decided to write a book. Just pure angst and (laughs) crankiness about some guy lowballing me. And I was like, fine then. And um, about two months later, COVID fully took over and I had plenty of time to sit on the balcony and work on that book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. While you were in, in Mexico, the same same time or no? Um, that was in Austin. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just submitted the first draft. And then I went to Mexico. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, I knew I would need somewhere, some different energy mm-hmm. to work on the edits. And um, it really took me getting out of the country to talk about the parts that... I guess the word I have is that just made me sad mm-hmm. about the industry that I love yeah, and the mission that I want to see accomplished. And knowing now what was happening behind the scenes, it was, there's a lot of money tied up behind that. And I didn't know if I was tossing a grenade into my new business mm-hmm. by being the person who talks about it. Mm-hmm. Um, still haven't quite figured out yet if I'm going to be uh <laughs> If that was a live grenade, I know I threw one. Yeah. But I don't know if it's really going to take me out. Um, but yeah, being in Mexico was what I needed. I remember um, there's one story in the book about uh, a guy that I worked with um, who was in a position of power, mm-hmm. you know, huh, classic story, uh, who'd put his hand on my leg and how I handled it. And It wasn't until I got to Mexico that I could even write that story. Mm -hmm. And I wrote it one morning because I'd been thinking about it. I mean, gosh, you know, just about every day, right? Right. And I sat on the couch after and I just cried. I just cried and cried and cried. And it was such a release. I didn't know whether or not I was going to publish it. Um, You know, it went through an attorney or two and they were like, well... (laughs) You, you might have to actually talk about this, you know, it 
in another avenue. And I was like, oh, well, you know what? Fine then. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, it removed the power that it had over me by yeah. putting it in the book. Um, and to this day, nobody's said a darn word. So I don't know if we're just as complacent as I was before I got to Mexico, but yeah, it's kind of sad. Yeah. It is kind of sad. When, uh, when did you officially publish the book? I want to say December 10th or 11th. <laughs> Amazon released it a day early. I was like, oh, <laughs> Merry Christmas. And, uh, but yeah, that was, that was exciting. And I mean, it is my journey. It's my story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, somebody referred to it as the defense contracting rom-com. And I was like, yes, that is exactly what it is. And yet it was an Amazon bestseller in the military law category, which just cracks me up. And I'm like, you know, we might all pay pay better attention to certain things if only we wrote them in some rom-com. Yeah. But (laughs) some some dry topics might just need a better storyline. But yeah, it, uh, it came out and I... I still struggle with it because I have a lot of fear mm-hmm. around, you know, around what I released, the stories that I told and, um, you know, you don't want to hurt people. Mm-hmm. And so you, you come face to face with that power because, you know, like, like the guy who put his hand on my leg, mm-hmm. I had the power to not do put that in and right. I had the power to go even further and I didn't and no finding that line I mean I did not travel that journey well Mm -hmm. I did not um if you want to write a if you're looking to gain 20 pounds yeah I highly recommend (laughs) writing a book um also being near uh bakeries and cafes is is a is another easy way to help you pack on the pounds definitely but yeah. Yeah. I, so the, um, the idea that you, you kind of brought up, uh, which I, I find fascinating this, how, how do you decide where that line is of what, you know, of how you want to tell the story and, and at what point do you feel, let's say uncomfortable or, you know, maybe the, your, the story changes definition comes into something else but in your journey how did you decide this is where I want to talk about and this is the line that I'm going to you know keep it at because you know for for, for whatever reason that's what you decided yeah well I have a favorite flavor of Tums so (laughs) okay (laughs) I don't know if I actually found the um the answer to this but I you know, like there's, there's the people you don't want to hurt. Mm-hmm. There's the risk to the company um, within an industry that is known for its secrecy. Mm-hmm. And yet there's also the vulnerability of being a woman in this space too. Yeah. And there's a story in the book that keeps coming back to me. Um I was in DC with a client and we had uh, some military grade 
technology with us that we were speaking to one of the big bureaucracies mm-hmm. and you know the meeting went well yay uh and then we were at this old cop bar in a suburb and we we met with someone else who'd come down from uh, you know on the train somewhere and uh he made a comment about how he'd been fished for this meeting he was like oh yeah you know i got these texts and you know about this meeting you know meeting up with these folks when I was down here um, for this meeting on Monday. Mm-hmm. Well, the meeting on Monday was the meeting with us. And he, he had the, I don't want to say the brains, but he was smart enough to get that checked out. Mm-hmm. And it comes back Russian intelligence. And you're like, you led us into this meeting. Yeah. Who knows who saw me meeting with you? Who's like, were they in my stuff and they just reached out to you? Were they in, you know, like, thanks, bro. You know, it's really the only <laughs> ending to that. Like, yeah. was there any other way that we could have maybe, I don't know, not gotten together this day? Like this was optional. Yeah. And um, it like, I think it was last week, actually, I came home and, uh, someone had been in my house and you're like, I'm not worried about, you know, things being taken because I don't really have anything of value at this point. I move so much that, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's not in my purse, it's not, Mm, you're fine. Yeah. Um, I love my new, my new mattress, but I really don't (laughs) think somebody's going to come in and be like, finally, (laughs) (laughs) we found the house. Um, yeah, so that's where my head goes. Yeah. And I'm I'm lucky that I have a network of not only defense entrepreneurs, but people in the industry where my next move was I need my house swept. Mm-hmm. And I can get that done because I'm <laughs> just have a different network of people. But it's weird. Like I would I'm dating a guy here and you know, his response was, well, you know, like, were the doors locked? Where are your windows locked? And I'm like, yeah, that's not a thing in my world, but good try. Yeah. <laughs> Cute, <laughs> but no, they don't, they're yeah, not, was... not worried about the window and a door. Right, right, right. Yeah. I, yeah. so it's, it's interesting you describing your world <laughs> because <laughs> it feels, so I, I recently I've been watching Madam Secretary. Um, <laughs> during COVID times. And I'm like, this is like the conversations that a lot of them have. And, and it feels almost like, you know, like, again, like a movie when you describe what your, your reality is, how, how do you think of fear and approach fear either physically or emotionally, but you know, you're, you operate in a different space than most people. How do you think about, you know, where you're doing, what, where you are, where you're working on and, and the idea of fear. Mm. Um, I'll say it was, it was fun at first. Yeah. You know, when I first started the company and I was meeting uh, these entrepreneurs and, you know, talking to operators and it's fun it's, it's sexy, right? Like it's Jack Ryan. And then 
it gets close and you realize you might be that weak link. Like it might be my laptop yeah. that is feeding information to people that could do much more harm than I could ever do good in this industry. And bam. Yeah. If that doesn't keep you up at night, that's you're in the wrong place <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah. And yet the fact that I knew someone was in my place meant it was sloppy. So it's not, it's not a truth. It's not a threat on that level. It's very strange. It really is. And, you know, to go through those motions with someone who, um, knows it on that level who's like what's above it you know like what's above the spot where you realize where's what's over here what's under there what's you know and they just ask such different questions mm. and i like i had no idea that my bedroom door opened out instead of in i just yeah. wasn't thinking because i was like oh it's so cute look at these you know old doorknobs oh yay yeah really julie you know better but i mean they're still adorable i can see it right now it's just so art deco yeah but the door opens out. And so it's harder to secure from the inside. And it's those things that you think about when you finally start thinking yeah. about it. So yeah, and then you go to bed because what else are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not the target. I know that. Right. So, yeah. so you know, <laughs> being on that, are there, I feel like we could just now talk for another hour just about this exact subject. Um, <laughs> Because uh, so are there certain like, you know, precautions you take on your laptops or your phones of like things you don't will and will not download or programs that you use or passwords? Like, is that something that you're like super like dialed into of like, I have to do this, this and this? I mean, if you're OK talking about something like that. Sure. Um, yeah. If that's a good idea. I know a lot of people with burners, multiple burners. Yeah. Um, I passed through the Beijing airport in 2018 and I'm pretty sure I've had a gremlin in my phone ever since. Um, you know, <laughs> hotel Wi-Fi, you know, like, eh. I'm not so worried about somebody taking my credit card information. Yeah. Then I am um, someone knowing where I am. Yeah. That's what, that gets me a little bit more in the belly. Sure. But yeah, um, encryption, technology, it, it matters. Um, but I think it also matters what you have, what, what secrets you have. Mm -hmm. And by writing the book, I got a clean slate. Hmm. And so I really thought coming back was freeing mm -hmm. for me. Cause I was like, I have nothing left. It's all in the book. It's yours. Yeah. You know, please refer to page 174. You know, I just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's easier, but um, yeah, I, yes, do the, do the password thing. Um, everything's going to get hacked is my, how I feel about it. You know, like I have WhatsApp, I have Signal, I have Proton Mail. I have, when people, yeah. I mean, a year ago would say, oh, are you on Signal? I'd be like, are we planning a coup? Like, why? <laughs> What, what do you possibly have to talk about? And especially when it's just some dude, you're like, yeah. bro, <laughs> <laughs> you 
you are not that you're not that special you're not that important there's just and if you are and you feel like you need to somehow convey that to me yeah I'm gonna go ahead and go like there's just there's nothing to that 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 you really want around you you're like you're not Jock Brian yeah come on (laughs) (laughs) and if you were it'd be a different conversation right anyway Can you tell I have a bit of a thing? I love Jack Ryan yeah. gifts. Yeah. Like in, in text, like I feel like almost any reply can be done with a Jack Ryan gift. Like they're mm-hmm. just beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so with, with everything that you have done and experienced so far, what would you say has been the best advice that you were ever given? Hmm. I have to give credit to my grandma. Uh, she had many isms, mm-hmm. but one of them was you do what you can do and that's all you can do. Yeah. And knowing, knowing the line of what you can do is really the trick to that one because otherwise you can be like, well, I did everything I could. And it's like, yeah, no, you probably didn't. Yeah. And that's true for everything, but knowing like, nope, this is my line and being able to say, I did my part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thanks grandma. Yeah. <laughs> Julie, thank you so much for chatting with me today about your journey and your book. I I really appreciate it. If the listeners would like to buy your book or learn more about your company, where is the best place they can go to do that? The book is on Amazon and uh, my website is defiantcoms.com. And you can find me there. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm less good at Instagram barely alive on Twitter and I'd like to forget about Facebook. So LinkedIn then. How about that? (laughs) Perfect. I will put those links in the show notes so they can click right through. Love it. Thank you so much, Julie. This was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Advance Your Art with Yuri Cataldo. If you like this episode, please remember to give us a five-star rating, like, and share with a friend. Our theme music is written and mixed by Chicago-based composer Ryan Black of Blackbones Collaborative. To listen to the full catalog of our episodes, go to advanceyourart.com. To see what I'm working on or book a time with me or buy a copy of my book, Be Left Behind, go to yuricataldo.com. Thank you so much and have a great day.